just when you thought it was safe to go onto iTunes. This is Next Level Guy. The only website that makes self-development as fun as going to the movies. It's time to take the red pill and escape the Matrix. What's happening guys? It's time for another episode of the Next Level Guy Show podcast with your favourite tutor, Ian Dawson Mackay. Next Level Guy is the go-to men's interview, interest and improvement website where I quiz the experts to find out the hacks, tips, methods and protocols that you can implement in your own life to take it to the next level and live happier, healthier, wealthier, sexier and so much more. Today's guest is Mark Matthews. Mark is a professional mountain biker and adventure athlete with a drive to create and a lifelong passion for cycling. He started riding bikes in 2000 and has never looked back. He now creates exhilarating mountain biking trail videos which showcase awesome tricks, breakneck turns and it's high quality, you feel like you're on the bike too. And he also shows you how you can do the same too and the pure joy you can get from cycling. Mark is a great example of someone who's created a business and a career of a passion and somebody I really wanted to showcase because I think he makes great content and it's someone that you should follow and give a lot of support to. In this interview, we discuss his story, cycling, injuries, how you too can get started in cycling and discover the joys of challenging yourself in nature, and how you can make a living from your passion and build the life of your dreams. I hope you enjoy. If you met somebody in a cliche social circle and you had to tell them what you did in 30 seconds, you know, say you're between floors and a lift, how would you describe who you are and why you're so well known? Oh, that's a difficult one. Um, I would probably, like, if that's the answer I had to give them, I would probably just explain kind of my, my career from, like, how it's developed, how I've become a known rider in the scene. Like, I've been mountain biking for a long time, and I think that's what's helped is it's been, like, over 15 years since I've been involved in the industry in some form or another. So just building up a network, it's a really strong community in the bike world. And then with the growth of social media over the last few years, I've been able to expand my audience there and change how I work as an athlete and kind of expand my career. So, yeah, it's really difficult to describe that. But I would, I would say that um, in terms of just describing my career as it's as it, how it is, I would just explain myself as I am um, an athlete, but I'm also a producer in media and... I, create a, I do a lot of creative projects on top of the athletic side of my sport and my career. Because it's quite difficult, isn't it, to kind of like sum up yourself in like a soundbite like that. It's really most, hard, yeah. yeah. Everybody wants to talk about who they are as a person rather than like what they're known for, you know. Um, yeah. I'm gonna pro- I probably will have to change that question, actually. Yeah. So can you tell me a little bit about your upbringing? You know, how did you... Were you like quite an adventurous child? Were you like always needing to be in and out of things? And, you know, like what kind of things did you enjoy doing as a kid? Did you have younger brothers and sisters? Um, you know, what kind of, like if I was to come back to your childhood, yeah. what would yeah. I find you doing back then? Um, so I'm the oldest child. I have one younger sister who's a year and a half younger than me exactly to the date, which is pretty funny. We're both born on the 11th. Um, and <laughs> yeah, it's kind of weird. <laughs> and for myself, like I grew up here on Vancouver Island, which is it's like just off the mainland of Greater Vancouver, and it's like it's a really big island. It takes like seven hours to drive from one end to the other, so it's very large. And we have a lot of out- outdoor opportunities here. I grew up just outside of Victoria, BC, 
which is the capital city, and I grew just north of town where there's tons of outdoor opportunity, and my family did a lot of camping growing up. Like, my mom loves to camp as well as my dad, so we would get out there all the time and spend a lot of time on the West Coast, on beaches and in the forests, and I just feel like it's part of me. Like, I just love it out here. It's so beautiful and raw and wild, and I've always spent a lot of time outdoors, and at the same time, I've also really loved lots of different sports. So, like many Canadians, I grew up playing a lot of ice hockey and then lacrosse in the summer. And then I eventually got really interested in mountain biking in um, middle school. So right before I got into high school, so like age 12, 13 is when it really started kicking in. And I got really into riding bikes and the mountain biking culture really started exploding in British Columbia. And I was like at the most influential age possible when that was happening. So I had tons of heroes to look up to, and I just went out there and I started riding my bike everywhere, trying to build jumps wherever I could find a place to, and it just kind of spiraled from there and progressed into what I'm doing now. So, yeah, it's kind of how my upbringing was. Because when I see where you are now, you've had it like an amazing career already. You know, you're really well known and like really highly thought of in the you know in the the biking industry, but. Can you remember the moment you changed it? Because a typical sort of Canadian, you know, they like playing like the ice, like ice sports, like you mentioned, and you know, biking just didn't seem to be kind of logical when I seen where you were from. Can you remember that moment that really you got into that? Because I would never put you know biking with Canada for some reason, and I don't know why. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, that's funny you mentioned that because maybe a lot of people don't. But what is really cool about mountain biking is. British Columbia, so the Canadian province that I'm from, is actually the lo- the most popular place in the world by far for freeride mountain biking and downhill mountain biking. Awesome. So you wouldn't expect that, but especially here right on the coast because we have the most mild climate in the whole country. So, for example, in the winter where I grew up, it would rarely go below 5 degrees Celsius. We'd have a lot of rain, but it was never that cold. Like It would never got cold enough here to skid outdoors in the winter because the ponds would never freeze enough. It would be like a few days where it's really cold, maybe if we had a cold snap, and then it would rain again. So really rainy, really dark days in the winter. But this was cool because unlike the rest of Canada, for the most part, we were able to ride our bikes every day of the year, or at least be outside and enjoy enjoy it without being too bundled up year-round. And that gave me a really cool opportunity because I was able to sample a lot of sports you wouldn't normally be able to coming from Canada. So... Our mild climate and just like the geo, the geography of where we live presents a lot of opportunity. And I think having that culture of mountain biking being so big in British Columbia, especially in the early thousands, really kind of helped set it off for me because all these new bike videos were coming out and they were all from like the Vancouver area. And I was like, wow, this is like right near where I live and these guys are doing crazy things and there's so much going on. And it was just like this really cool new sport that was up and coming and I saw it. And it just really intrigued me because traditional team sports I loved to do, but there was something about them that just didn't seem like it fit. It just didn't fit for me. So I had to kind of find a different outlet. And as I eventually got bored of ice hockey and other sports like that. Yeah, because it's, it's definitely something I think I was just thinking about just now was like the way, you, the way our media portrays like Canada is it's always snow filled and it's all, you know, like oh every movie you see yeah, the kids funny. playing ice hockey yeah. and <laughs> they've played since birth and, you know, it's, I never, you never really think about it until you see like with social media the world has become such a smaller place but and we exactly. see some like 
you know, this is why I'm so glad of like technology in that sense because we can find amazing people like yourself who are doing sports and like doing amazing videos and things like that, and we wouldn't even have a clue. You know, like exactly. If, <laughs> so it's, it's awesome. When did it become? When did cycling become more of a hobby? Like from a hobby, when did it become something more of a pursuit? You know, you could create and you could get competitive and make your name for it you know can you remember a point that you was it from a competition or mm. was it just something you just thought yeah i'm really enjoying this i want to see how far i can take it or yeah i think uh what kind of made me go that direction is like i was always a very introverted child so very quiet very shy but i love to be outside and i love sports but i was always like awkward in a team environment even though i was like a good team player so i knew i was like really into the physical fitness side of things and that technicalities of like athleticism and I loved playing hockey but I was never that good at it and then I kind of found biking as like a fun activity to do with friends just in my neighborhood but then as everyone started riding bike jumps and doing like more extreme things on their bikes then that really intrigued me too because it was like this competitive outlet that wasn't a team setting it was individual and you could have your own taste to it there was like no right or wrong you could just Mm develop your own style and your own goal around how you want to ride your bike so I really got into it and it kind of changed my life a lot because I like being a kid who was very shy and introverted and not very confident in myself I was suddenly like very naturally talented at riding a bike and I was one of the better people in my school and for my age I was definitely better than anyone else so um, I and I really enjoyed doing it more than anything else so I think that really helped changed me because it gave me all this confidence there was something that I was like really good at that people looked up to and I almost felt kind of awkward about it because I was like so modest in a way I was like oh this is weird like why are people interested in me all of a sudden because I'm good at something so um, I mean outside influences didn't really affect why I did it but it definitely kind of was a factor in helping motivate me and just giving me something that I could like feel good about myself in and have a lot of fun with because when you watch your videos, you certainly don't come across as somebody that's ever been not confident. You know, <laughs> you can see how that is such a natural sport for you. But what what made you go down the sort of I don't know if it's actually the technical term, but the media cycling side of stuff over competitive like racing and stuff was it just the fact that you could be creative and do it on your own terms? You know, yeah. you just enjoyed yourself and they were having fun. I think so. And also, like, mountain biking is a very expensive sport. So, like, my family wasn't poor by any means, but we also didn't have tons of money. So, out of all the people in the community that rode mountain bikes that I met, like, different families and friends growing up, a lot of them had more money than our family, even though we were, like, well off still. So, for me to be able to go to all these competitions and races as a kid wasn't something that was, like, within reach, I would say. Um, And I found a lot of fun just in riding jumps and having fun on my bike and as I got older I was like okay I can see that like there's a competitive side of mountain biking that isn't just racing there is slope style riding and slope style riding is you start at the top of a course you make it to the bottom and there's a handful of stunts in between and then you you want to do as many big tricks as you can down the course and so it's like just a trick based discipline not about speed just style and tricks so I really got into just riding dirt jumps and doing slope style and right out of high school I wanted to pursue that as a career but I at the same time I didn't really see it as a career choice 
I just started competing in slope style and going to local events around the part of Canada that I'm from and then other North American events like I went down to the US a couple times and I started doing that and with no support no money just doing it on my time off between working I found it really a struggle to get support and then eventually I started filming videos and creating trails like doing my own trail building because I would always build my own jumps anyways so I would go out in the forest build my own trails and then work with filmmakers to create content for some of my sponsors I had already through competing who were just giving me free products but not paying me so I ended up creating some content for those sponsors and making some really cool videos and that kind of is how my name grew so I didn't grow um, through competition but people just noticed my videos and what I was doing and they thought it was cool and that's kind of how I built up my career it kind of started that way because your videos are amazing like I love it's the way that you've set up through the GoPro and your helmet you know it's like the person watching is obviously in the video as well and we kind of have to relate it to like video games and you know like first person shoot em ups and things like that but it's amazing to think you're doing that that you know like when the speed and your reaction times is phenomenal and it it took me there was times i was actually covering my eyes like i was in the race you know (laughs) i was just kind of like it blew me away at that like the talent and then it was the way you were just jumping like it was nothing and spinning and it was just like it was so graceful and controlled and it was just so, but it was so exhilarating and primal as well you know the speeds you were hitting were phenomenal it's like that's a kind of like you build up that emotion in the person watching and it, that I can certainly understand why it's so like you know you're so popular but is is that the kind of tracks that really do it for you is that the ones yeah. that if you had to pick would you always go for these kind of slopes I think so yeah I like anything that's really fast with lots of flow um I do post some videos that are like a lot more steep and technical and lower speed that are really hard to ride and people love those sometimes too but unfortunately no matter how steep or rocky a trail is it never translates to video so something that's a little smoother that's really fast that will still have like rough bits to it um is really great to film and that's kind of like how you describe is how you feel is kind of the goal that i go for with the video i mean those gimbals are pretty crazy hey like the way they stabilize the video it's um pretty bulky to wear but the footage you get's amazing and I feel like what makes my footage stand out a lot is just the style I have on my bike. So that's kind of one thing that I've, uh, about myself that has stood out that's helped my career is I might not have the biggest tricks in the world compared to some of the top slope style guys, but I do have a really unique style and flow on my bike that is just like unique to me. It's just the way I ride, and people seem to like it. So by doing those GoPro videos, I can really show that off. And then I can also relive the ride myself because it's such a stable video with the current setup i'm using i can like watch my video and relive the ride almost because i know exactly how it feels when i'm watching it and for someone like yourself i'd be really curious to know like kind of what it feels like for you to watch it so it's really cool to hear you describe that because it's when we're watching it like the footage is so controlled you know it's very because of your current setup it's very it's very controlled you can kind of see what's coming and it's like a video game almost you know you you can kind of see ahead because it's it's stationary almost and you get the bumps and stuff with that but you know that you're sort of sitting back but how on earth do you plan and get used to build up your reaction speed you know so you can deal with the bumps and the twists because it's going to be nothing like that when you cycle 
you know, I mean, we can only get like a third of what you're experiencing. So like, how did you build up your reaction enough to kind of take the twists and turns and the bumps? You know, do you have to see things 100 yards down to see like and anticipate what's coming? Or you know, how, how have you gotten to such a reactionary state of mind? I mean, there's so many factors involved there. Um, a lot of it is, so when you're learning how to mountain bike, one of the first things people tell you is to always look ahead like 20 feet or more just so you know it's coming on the trail so I mean I've been riding since I was 12 years old and I'm 30 now so it's been a long time and a lot of it is just second nature to me so just like typing in the keyboard you're not really thinking about what your fingers are doing right so Mm. it's just that muscle memory I'm not really thinking about what is going on but I know the feeling and I know what it should feel like and I know how I need to shift my weight how I need to use my knees and elbows as suspension to soak up the compressions like my suspension is doing something but a lot of it is my body is the my body is controlling the bike not the other way around so a lot of it is just knowing those movements practicing them over time and then in terms of like reaction time and knowing where i am on the trail it's just knowing where to look that makes a huge difference and this is something you learn over time too so even if like you saw how i rode 10 years ago compared to now if for example, I was to ro- roll down a steep rock face in the forest and there was a tree right after it. Maybe I wouldn't have thought to look past the tree right away. But now I know wherever I look is where I'm going to go. So <laughs> where you look is where you go. And that's a huge part of it too is just knowing where to scan the trail and knowing what the movements feel like. And it's never perfect all the time. I definitely hit trees sometimes, but it's, it's quite rare actually considering <laughs> what we ride through. I mean, when, when I saw the first video... You know, I was kind of like, oh, this guy's pretty cool when I found you on Instagram. And then I went onto your YouTube channel, and I think it was, um, you said it was like, oh, it's a lovely cycle, like an easy, I can't remember what grade you said it was. And it was, just, I was watching it going, oh my God, there's more, you know, it was like twists and turns every few seconds. You were taking it some amazing speed. And then all of a sudden, you were like flipping yourself up in the air, and you were hurling yourself down, like, you know, head first. And then all of a sudden, you just stopped dead almost at like the end of it and just went you know it was just kind of you know it was like you weren't uh, you weren't nervous you weren't exhausted you weren't you weren't struggling <laughs> it was just like yeah yeah it's a calm circle a cycle so t- when you're doing this are you seeing these in real time or has your reaction got so good now that you're seeing it slowed down you're kind of absorbing the information and you know in a kind of a zen like state almost or yeah, it's like finding that flow state, right? They talk about that in sport, the flow state. So you get into the flow of things. It's like when you kind of, same as watching like skiers go down a dual solemn really fast, how they can weave through the cones. I think it's kind of the same concept, mountain biking on the trail. Oh, and how you see it on the video is not exactly how I see it. I mean, I see it that stable because my eyes can see very stable compared to like a bumpy camera, which is what makes the gimbal really cool. You get a really accurate depiction of what I'm seeing. But at the same time, I'm not looking at the same thing you're looking at. Because when I look at my videos, I'm not even looking at the same thing I'm looking at when I was riding. Like when I watch my videos, I see way more trees. I see way more danger. (laughs) Because when I'm actually riding, I'm focused on just the trail ahead of me and nothing that's around me. So I don't see all that danger you see in the video. And sometimes you forget about it because it's just such a relaxed flow state with Muscle Mermaid kind of doing everything for you. And then... And then if you crash by accident because you're kind of in the zone, and you then you realize how 
um, gnarly it actually is. <laughs> so for example, a few days ago, we were filming on this trail and there was no jumps on it, but it was like really tight corners between trees. And we were getting a drone shot. So the drone was following me and I came around a corner like the fastest I had that day. And I didn't, e I don't even know what happened. It happened so quickly, but all of a sudden I'm on the ground sliding on my right side and just scraped up my whole right arm and right hip. And it was a really hard crash and I have no idea what I hit. And then we reviewed the footage and my handlebars just like clipped a tree branch without me even expecting it to be there. So I think there's that element of it too. Like it, it doesn't look as crazy to me as it does to you in the video. One, because I'm confident and comfortable with what I'm riding. But two is I don't always see all the danger that's there. I'm just so narrowly focused on the terrain in front of me. Because I've cycled some like well there'll be nothing to you but you know I mean, I've, I've gone down some sort of like like hills and stuff and like yeah. some foresty areas and so and i can remember like, i think everybody can of like the bumps you know you maybe did as a kid and how you were vibrating like crazy and you couldn't see what was happening and you know you ended up maybe crashing at the bottom or clipping something and that's what's so amazing about your videos it's like it's almost like you're hypersensitive of every moment of every like little nook and cranny everything you touch you're you know recompensating for it and it's it's almost like you're in the matrix how you kind of control it and slow it down and it's it's it's, it's phenomenal to watch but how do you get then to build up like the mental strength from there to go at that speed to then incorporate jumps and twists and turns and that as well because I was thinking like some of the jumps you were doing were mental and then I've seen some where you were cycling with somebody else on the track as well and you were kind yeah. of alternating between and you were thinking how on earth do you both know like you know it was, yeah. there were so many questions that started spinning in my mind <laughs> like, how is this working <laughs> like yeah. I've I mean I've, I can I've driven in like you know quite a few lanes in traffic and stuff at top speeds and stuff and you're thinking that's crazy but like just watching your videos you go yeah, that's nine. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's nine at all. So how do you get... Is it like a case of, you know, you built this when you were a kid, you just kind of dared each other and you kind of just built it from there that you're so used to it, you're confident that you've done other jumps so you know that these are okay? You know, yeah. how do you... Say if you're on a new track, how do you get into this kind of ability to go and do a jump that you've maybe never done before? Yeah, exactly. So I'm actually doing online tutorial videos. I'm... I'm filming stuff right now for people so like I'm going over skills for beginners intermediate and experts and one of the things I'm going to do in the video is after I showcase each little skill you should learn I'm going to show them piece together on a single trail like in a GoPro lap so you can see how oh, it comes together so you can see how it all comes together so like to answer your question that's kind of the concept so for example body position is very important and that's one of the first things you learn when you start mountain biking is how to stand up on your bike properly, how to use your knees and your elbows as suspension. And then after that, you learn about weight shifting. So how to go over bumps and give yourself speed, like much like how like a skateboarder would pump over something in a skate park pole or like any sort of sport where you need to gain momentum through flat ground or just rolling hill. It's the same idea. You learn how to carry speed. And then those are kind of all the basics of it. And then from there, you can build up. Okay, I have good bike control. I have the body position figured out. Now it's time to learn some tricks or get comfortable going off a jump. And one skill kind of builds off the next. So from the basic body position all the way up to like doing a double backflip off a jump, they all have the same foundation skill set of how do I get on my bike? How do I shift my weight? How do I have control of my bike all the time? 
and it kind of all blends together, kind of like a language. Like there's so many elements to, like the English language, for example, but so much of it blends together that it becomes simple in our brains. And I think it kind of works the same way. Because that was one of the reasons I was so keen to chat here because I was watching it your videos and it got me interested in giving yep. cycling another shot you know because I used to just cycle like down to the shop and back and all that kind of stuff yep. but it got me excited again to start cycling and try mountain biking and I know that there's a lot of people who are watching your videos who'd love to give it a shot and your videos are so well done in that you're very you know and with your website is you really describe it in detail and you explain what you do and how you did it and you comment back to people who come, you know? Who leave remarks about your videos, and you explain how you recorded it, how you took on the certain challenges, yeah. and I can imagine that your, like your coaching method, will be just as awesome, and that's something I was, I was thinking, oh, he'd be a fantastic coach. Thanks. <laughs> how, do you, how do you recover after this? I mean, just watching it from the video, you feel tired, but I mean, you're on stones and you're on jumps, you're landing heavy. You know, you're twisting and turning. Your body must be under some amount of pressure. And you know, how do you deal with like afterwards? Like, how do you recover? Yeah. You know, are you the kind of guy that's out with the foam roller? Do you have to get deep tissue massages, or do you find it just so enjoyable that it doesn't really impact you in that sense? I definitely do a lot of recovery because I've had quite a few injuries over the years, so it does um, really help. So I try to do yoga almost every day and foam roll as well. And I also like try to give myself rest days. So for example, yesterday and today, I haven't even touched my bike at all because I just got back from a seven day trip where we were camping for every single night. So I went almost a week without a shower. <laughs> we were swimming <laughs> in fresh lakes, but it was like long days filming. Not only was I riding down the hills, but I was hiking my bike back up the hills, back and forth multiple times to get different video takes. And that's quite exhausting. And there was this one trail I really wanted to ride on our final day of filming and we had already been filming the trail for six hours and I knew it really well but I just hit a wall and I was too tired and I was like well, I, I would love to film this but I'm just gonna injure myself if I put on the GoPro and hike back up for one last lap so I kinda made the call there not to keep riding when I really wanted to get the shot so sometimes you just have to read your body and understand when is when is it too much <laughs> and give yourself rest days and Training and conditioning, too. I do a lot of training in the winter, working on sprinting power. And that's kind of the most useful for me is sprinting. So I'll go to the BMX track and ride as fast as I can over all the rollers and all the jumps for like 60-second intervals until I'm completely exhausted after a few laps. And then I'll lengthen the distance of the breaks that I'm taking in between runs. And you can really condition your body that way well. So sprinting power makes a huge difference because you can come into things really fast quickly and not be fatigued right away so i try to do lots of that in the winter just to get myself in good shape for the summer season when it's kind of non-stop week after week because i remember the the amount of video and the footage you put out is is phenomenally like your posting schedule is crazy and you know your competing schedule but we never really kind of comprehend like these kind of extreme sports because we've all played football we've all seen yeah. basketball, you know so we kind of understand it like the team games from that but and because we've never done it competitively or to the level you're doing no one really thinks about the impact that's going to have on your body i mean and i mean that was going to be my next question was there has been 
a couple crashes in your video where you, you've kind of just shook yourself off and got up again but how do you deal with injuries you know you've had some sort of ones that have set you back for a while so how do you get back on and you know sort of clear that mental cobwebs and you know get rid of any fear that you've got because it must be scary getting back on after you've had yeah, a crash it's absolutely is, that's honestly the hardest part of injuries is the mental side of things and getting your confidence back my last really bad injury took me almost two years to get back there mentally even though i was back on the bike after six months and that was when I broke my femur in 2013. So I got, I got invited down to this event called Red Bull Rampage, which is a big mountain free ride event. So essentially what that means is it's an event where you're in the desert in Utah. You're on huge ridge lines with like hundreds of feet of exposure. And they give you four days to build your own way to the bottom of the hill. And then you get two days of practice and then it's the contest. So it's an exhausting schedule. It's super dangerous. They only invite 20 riders every year, and it's whoever's the best in the world that year. And everyone's extremely competitive, and it's big prize money, so there's a lot of pressure going on. And that event I got invited to in 2013, and that was a huge career opportunity for me because I hadn't had any real financial support before then. And I got invited to this event. I'm like, this could be a game changer for me. I need to do my very best here. So I built the craziest thing I possibly could with my capabilities, and... I hyped myself up really hard and I started doing practice runs and last day of practice I ended up crashing on this really big gap over a canyon on my bike and I just was a little offline to the side and the second I was about to land my pedal hit the side of a cliff and I just got shot off my bike like a slingshot and when I hit the ground it felt like I just got ran over by a car it was just like a huge intense impact and the first thing I did was make sure I could feel my toes because I had no idea what was going to happen to me. I didn't even have a chance to be scared it happened so quickly. And I thought it was a dislocated hip. But then when we got to the hospital, I found out that I broke my femur in like five spots right below my hip joint. Oh, so it was a really messy break, not only like a really dangerous break. And they did surgery. The surgeon in Utah told me that I would probably be riding in one year from then but it was going to be really hard recovery. I had to go really hard at physio and take care of myself. And I had no idea what to do or how to handle that because I'd never had an injury that bad before in my life. And then I got home, and after the first two months, it hadn't started healing properly at all because blood flow wasn't going to the area. And my local doctor was very pessimistic, and he didn't think I'd ever be doing what I was doing again just because of the nature of the injury. So... I kind of used that as motivation. It didn't really discourage me. I was just like, okay, I, I need to get back on my bike as quickly and strongly as I can. So I pretty much put everything I had into it. Like I went into deep credit card debt just to not work any sort of job, just focus on healing. Um, I moved back in with my parents for a few months so I could afford to do that. And I just ate as healthy as I could. I did yoga every day. I went on road bike rides as soon as I had enough range in my leg. I was like eating as healthy as possible, zero sugar, zero alcohol, long days doing yoga, stretching, going to the gym, going on bike rides. And I just stuck to this like really intense health regimen for six months straight and didn't do anything else. I was just hyper-focused on that. And I came actually back physically stronger than I was before my injury and feeling really good riding my bike around, but I had no confidence. So it took a long time to get the confidence back. I think just having that focus and determination to set everything else aside except for healing is what really did it for me. And that's kind of how I've handled 
um, injuries ever since. Not to that level because they haven't been that bad of an injury, but it made me realize like how amazing your body is and how capable it can be when you put all your energy into helping it. Because <laughs> it is, it's kind of scary that it's like yeah, we always look really at scary. like the physical. You know the physical side of it, like how long is going to take to repair, but we never really consider, like how it changes your outlook on life or your mental, like not capacity, but your mental outlook on things. So yeah, how definitely. did you start, like start that rebuild? I mean, you were building up your body, you were getting back, you were focusing solely on the healing, but you mentioned that it took you a bit longer to get your confidence back. How yeah, did you it- start that? Yeah, I think what I did is I just wanted to spend lots of time on my bike, and I found it really challenging because when that injury happened to, to take place was kind of my transition year. Like, So, for example, it was my big opportunity to go from just an athlete who's getting free bikes to an athlete who is making a full-time career out of this. And then the injury happened, and current deals that I had kind of fell through, and then I had no support anymore, and I had to figure out how am I going to so it was a really, really tough mental state I was in because I pretty much started from ground zero again with no support. It was pretty much like you're injured, you don't have support, you might as well do something else. And in some scenarios, maybe people would have not even kept riding bikes competitively anymore. And that kind of also helps answer your question as to why I went from a competitor to just media. I think when that injury happened, that really influenced the way I viewed competition and I, that was like sort of confidence-based, but it was also like the risk doesn't outweigh the reward. In this scenario, I could have easily died from this crash, and I think I can make a career out of this sport doing something else. So in order to get my confidence back, I just kind of pivoted my goals with riding, and I decided to go more into adventures and fun, relatable stuff that your average mountain biker would love to see, and not so much the world's very best <laughs> biggest tricks and once I started focusing on that instead of doing the biggest trick possible I was having a lot more fun on my bike and I was getting more confident at the same time because I was developing other skill sets on my bike that I wasn't really strong in in the past like the fitness side of things and just being out there in the wilderness for days at a time and I had a lot of fun doing that and after a year or two it finally the confidence finally got back there because I just felt more all-rounded than ever and I started doing bigger jumps again and I didn't have the mindset of I have to do the biggest thing possible so I took a lot of pressure off myself and I think that really helped my confidence too because I had no pressure on myself anymore to have to do something it was always up to me to try it if I wanted to well now to my great time for taking a quick break Um, I just wanted to give you a quick note about my affiliate scheme I've set up some awesome deals with some amazing companies. So if you go to www.nextlevelguy.com forward slash affiliates, that's www.nextlevelguy.com forward slash affiliates if you're listening to this. If you go to affiliate deals in the blue ribbon at the top of the page, or if you're on a post itself, down at the bottom of the page, you'll find the affiliates um, page link. You can go to my affiliates wonderland. There are so many special offers, listener, exclusive deals, and discount codes available here. There really is something for everybody here. It doesn't matter if you're buying for yourself, for a special occasion, if you're looking to 
get the latest games, if you're looking to get the latest DVDs, there's companies like Amazon. If you're looking to improve your brain functionality, there's the awesome Alpha Brain, which is available from Onnit. If you're looking for help with your dating life, you really need to check out the natural from RSD Max, which if you go on the site itself, you'll notice there's a, a full thorough review on the natural, which I absolutely love. There's companies there that will help you with tactical gear, outdoor equipment, gadgets, and so much more. There really is something there for everybody. It doesn't matter what it is. If it's sports equipment, dating, X stuff, whatever. Um, you might not even knew you needed it, but you'll find it there. Go to www.nextlevelguy.com for slash affiliates and enjoy. Please note, I don't know anything about you or your purchases. All I receive is a small commission from the company itself for setting up links and for sending you to them to purchase from them. We don't get any data, the GDPR etc is all safe, there's no information passed to me. Um, so you can use and abuse these links as much as you'd like. I just want to say I'm extremely thankful for those people who are using the links. The money I receive back is then put into the podcast to help me improve, get a better quality mic to advertise better. It's all working towards getting better guests, improving the quality of the podcast and hopefully benefiting you as much as me. I'm really grateful for you taking the time to listen to this waffle. Um, now let's get back to the interview. I love that outlook because, you know, like you said, a lot of people would have just turned around and said, oh, no, I can never go back to doing that. That was my kind of big crash. That's the one that says stop doing it now and walk away. And it shows your mental strength that you kind of went, OK, I'm now going to go back. I'm going to heal myself up fully. OK, now I'm, st- I'm still struggling mentally from this. OK, I'm now going to go and you've found something else that you, you enjoy. You found another way of making it fun and excitable because a lot of people give up stuff well before they should because they've had maybe a bump or a negative setback and think, nah, I can't do this anymore. Whereas you've yeah. just gone, OK, how can I adapt this and make it more fun for me? And you've ended up building and come back stronger. It's amazing when you think about it. I mean, could you give an example then of how much time and like races would you have missed at that point you know what's a normal sort of riding schedule yeah like is it like once every month or are these kind of spaced out into like bigger kind of extreme events and stuff like that yeah it really depends like the if you're a racer your schedule is very intense like in the summer it's every weekend uh for slope style athletes kind of the side of stuff that I was doing it was maybe every month or two there was a big contest because I still was working part-time and I was being very selective about the contests that I was going to so I could afford it and make it happen but it was still a very intense schedule like trying to prepare for a contest a month beforehand by practicing a certain trick and all the tricks I were practicing were very high risk too so like things could easily go wrong like backflip and 360 variations on big jumps and Although there's a lot of control and skill level there, until you actually have a big crash, you don't realize how bad it can actually be. So, <laughs> I think uh, it's, it's not it's knowing's just, better than knowing. Uh. Yeah, exactly. So I, yeah, I, I think like just that schedule. It was very intense, and switching to what I'm doing now is an equally, if not more intense schedule, but just in a different way. It's more of like a a business side of things versus purely athletic yeah, and i think that's a better say. outlet for me in the long term too is you certainly seem to 
do a lot more videos and a lot more traveling and a lot like a lot more content and you know the amount you write and you record and like you know your social media you seem to do like almost far more than you were doing there but i suppose that's what you enjoy now is that side of it and you're getting back more than you know because when you were talking about the competing side you weren't maybe as dynamic as when you talk about your other stuff because you were like you can tell you're truly passionate about what you're doing now um so what advice would you give to somebody who was wanting to get into that sort of that side of the sport you know i mean is it can people really break into it now or is it all these sort of people who've been doing it for years and like a kind of close-knit group of people who are like competitive cyclists in that sense yeah so you mean like people who are competitive getting into more of the content creation side of the sport and not purely a competitor well more of the sort of competitors at the time you know like the ones who are like you know that you're competing against like you know there's the top 20 for the red bull for example is is it possible for somebody who's kind of interested into or have you really got to be doing this from a young age and building up the kind of the experience and the mental capacities that we discussed earlier yeah i feel like everything it's as sports progress it gets harder and harder every year so for me like i didn't really get into riding bikes till i was 12 years old and i feel like i was in there at the prime time because as these professional riders who were in their 20s who were athletes i was looking up to were doing these crazy things they weren't completely out of reach for me like after a year or two of practice i could maybe do those things too Whereas now, for a 12-year-old kid to do what the top riders are doing now, after a couple of years, that's not even possible. Like, you would have to be the most talented person in the world. So, uh, it's a lot more difficult. You have to definitely start at a younger age. And if you, I mean, not that it's impossible, but it's very competitive. It's a way bigger sport than it used to be even 15 years ago. There's so many people that ride bikes now. And racing is just as big as ever and i would say that's what the industry loves the most like despite the fact that i'm doing all this content that you're mentioning and i'm posting regularly and i have a large following someone with a way smaller following who goes to every race a lot of companies see that person as more valuable than me so it's a very race oriented culture and it's a very competitive culture so i definitely think you have to start at a young age and you have to really love what you're doing at the same time because I've seen a lot of friends who have been into racing and they might have a good run for a bit, like a season or two, and then they just kind of burn out because it's exhausting trying to keep up with the physical side of things and keep your support as well. It's really, really hard. I think that's the thing, isn't it, is you've got to really, really love it. You have to yeah. be like the person that gets up every single day and pushes it. and Yeah. It's you get to that point where you realize it's just not for you at times. I mean, you've decided that you you want to go down the sort of content creation side, and I'm really glad you did because your stuff is a phenomenal. Nice. You've yeah. traveled around like some amazing places and shot some like truly phenomenal. Stuff. And now you're teaching people how to record better, how to set up their videos, and you know you're even teaching them now basically how to learn to to bike properly. Um, now, where's your favorite places to cycle? You know, like you've you've done some amazing videos in some beautiful places, but what where's been your favorite recently? You know, because of all your content, which ones are your favorite that you always like people to see first? I don't know. That's really hard. There's so many cool places out there. Um, 
I would say my favorite content to post is a trail that I know really well because I ride it way faster than <laughs> a lot of the other trails. And it's like the terrain that we live in here is like it's really beautiful temperate rainforest, west coast of Canada, like northwest look. And it's just really green and lush and beautiful out here. And I love the dirt we have out here. It's very grippy and very loamy and nice. And I think anything in this part of the world is probably my favorite place to ride my bike. And I, I kind of realized that this year after traveling all over the world. I was like, wow, we're so lucky where we live. I really want to spend more time closer to home and do a lot of content around here. But in terms of travel experiences and where I've been, I would say the most unique place I've rode that was a ton of fun would be in Turkey, in Cappadocia. That was just amazing. It was like these natural sandstorm formations and natural bank corners and you could just ride anywhere you wanted and go as fast as you want. And it was really unique. It felt like I was in a, a video game. <laughs> I'm not even that's, a what I loved, that's what I loved about your website was it showed, like, you were talking about some amazing places and some of, like, some of the most beautiful landscapes in all of, like, you know, all of the world. And you were talking about, like, the true passion about how you were cycling through them and, like, you could it was like you could feel that through the blog post and the videos you know you were so excited to be talking about some of this stuff but you know how do you set up and record your videos you know what kind of equipment if somebody's wanting to get into content creation side of cycling you know is it just a case of uh, putting on a gopro you know what kind of other equipment is a must-have for somebody that's wanting to get into this kind of area of cycling yeah i definitely for filming these sort of videos i use a gimbal so it's like an electric stabilizer, like battery-powered stabilizer that connects to my GoPro, and then I mount it to my chest. So no matter what I'm doing, the camera is staying in the same spot for the most part. I mean, it will still lag a bit with the movements, but it makes it like 90% smoother than not having a gimbal at all. So the one that I use is the GoPro gimbal. It's the Karma Grip, and it's what they use on their drone as well. And it's quite bulky and really big, but the advantage is that it's... Um, a lot more stable than a smaller, more nimble gimbal that you could put on your body. So this one you still put on your chest. It sticks out pretty far. Like it, The stick will go from like your chest to your belly button pretty much. So it's a little bit restricting, but at the same time, it is the most solid, consistent piece of equipment I've used for filming these videos. And I'm not even endorsing GoPro by any means because I'm not an athlete of theirs. I've just tried like three or four different products and that big GoPro one really works. It's just, it's probably the most annoying one to wear, but it's the most solid one to use in terms of the footage you get. So it's definitely worth it for me for what I'm doing. And I love it. And so how do we modify a bike? You know, like, have you found any particular modifications or a setup on your bike work best? I mean, you're talking to somebody who's a complete amateur. I usually mm -hmm. just buy them and cycle straight away. Yeah. But how do, how do you have to set up a bike differently? for these kind of tricks i mean do you have to buy a specialist bike or can you modify something that you can buy in like a normal shop or yeah how, how does how do these things kind of work because you know your bike seems to be modified to a t with like very specialist equipment and stuff like that but do you need to go top dollar to really get enjoy this kind of sport yeah, you definitely don't need to go top dollar, but it's just modifying the bike to fit your needs as a rider and what your style is. And mountain biking is almost like multiple sports because cross-country riding is vastly different than downhill. So you really you have to know what type of riding you want to be doing. 
So for me, I do more of the downhill and free ride side of things. So the way I would set up my bike is I would first want to find a bike frame that has more slack geometry because you're not so over the front end of your bike. So when you're coming into steeper, rougher terrain on the mountains, you're not going to dip over your bars as easily because you're sitting back on your bike more. And then another thing I look for in my bikes is I want something that has a nice short rear end because it will be easier to move around. So if the bike's shorter in the back, it will corner faster. You can pop the front wheel up easier and you can do things like that. And that's not necessarily top of the line. There's just different brands out there that have different styles. It's because this is like, I mean, I'm doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu and I'm yeah. kind of getting into like the different gis and all that kind of stuff. But I'd be like, I, when I bought my first laptop and my first mic for the podcasting, it was like, it took me ages because, you know, you, there's only a certain types of gis and colors you can really buy. But like with well, laptops and mics, for example, there's so many options. It almost blew me away. I can't imagine adding in like mud guards, wheels, the brakes, a lot. the setup, yeah. the absorber. You know, it it must be phenomenal. And do you find you're constantly tweaking and altering your bikes for different setups, or do you kind of find that one that works for you now? Like, can you feel like a major difference between the different bike setups? Yeah, I mean, I like my bikes to feel really similar. One of my biggest pet peeves is having the cockpits not match, so like the handlebar and the stem and the brake levers. So on all, all four of my bikes that I'm running right now, I like them all to feel the same when I'm grabbing onto the bars, but the bikes themselves will be quite different. So I'll have like a longer travel bike for really fast, rough downhill riding. Then I'll have kind of a shorter suspension bike for smoother riding that's easier to whip around in the air and easier to move the bike anywhere I want. And then I have a bike that just has one brake on it, one gear, it's really lightweight, really small, and it's meant specifically for riding smooth jumps and doing tricks and nothing else. So it's kind of having a, like, luckily for me, I have the luxury of having a bike for every sort of discipline, so I can really set them up and fine-tune them. But if I was a rider just starting from scratch, I, to get to your point, like, I don't even know where I would start because there's so much to it. Like, luckily for me, I've been riding for so long that I know a lot of these little details, but if you were starting from scratch, it would be, very confusing knowing what you need. You'd almost need to have someone consult you and do a questionnaire being like, okay, what type of riding do, would you like to do? <laughs> do you want to ride jumps? Do you want to ride downhill? Do you want to do a bit of both? And then from there, they would kind of help you with your bike. It's maybe a little side business for you. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, because that's when I had a wee look into it and I was the the different types of brands of bikes then the modifications it was it was phenomenal it's pretty cool yeah do you have like a sort of maintenance schedule to like adapt your bikes i mean how often are you because you know, you're going down at such speeds and you're like taking some large jumps you know how how often do you check your bike and you know like main, maintain it and check everything and like in between because you seem to post an amazing amount of content but I mean, what's like, what's a standard week for you? You know, do you have days and times that you're set aside for checking, then checking for routes, setting up cameras and stuff mm -hmm. like that? Because you seem to have a lot involved in your videos. So how, yeah. how do you plan this out? Because you must have an amazing amount of work to do for each video. Yeah, in terms of the bike setup side of preparing for that, I just, it really depends. Like I try to maintain my bike after every ride, but if I'm busy... I might go two or three rides without changing anything, but 
I like to make sure all the bolts are tight, everything's greased, all the basic maintenance, like there's no loose spokes on the wheels. Just those like basic checks, check over the bike after every ride, make sure it's clean. And then for more intense maintenance, like building up a wheel from scratch or building up a bike from scratch, if I have a new bike but my schedule's busy, then I just go to my local bike shop and those guys are really good. And if I pay them in beer, they'll do it faster. (laughs) (laughs) I get them to help me with my bikes because I'll... Ultimately, a professional mechanic is a lot better than me. I'm a pretty basic mechanic, but I can get by and I can keep my bikes maintained. And then in terms of my camera gear, I just try to make sure everything's charged and organized and I have a place for it. And I try to like plan shots ahead. And So I always have like notes written down on what sort of shots I want to do. For example, I had this idea for like a hyperlapse shot where like my camera was moving down the trail but I wasn't in it and then the frame would stop and then I would air into the frame or something like that so that's just like a creative idea I've had in my mind and trying to brainstorm ways to make that work or if I I have my own little drone like a little Mavic drone so if there's a shot from above the trail I have in mind I try to think about how I could piece that together and just to always have a list of ideas flowing and have the gear ready to go I think that's kind of the key because it you never have to be in a hurry, but you also never want to slow down. So it's always a constant flow of ideas and content coming in, and it never feels rushed or stressful. Because that's what I get from your videos. It's the pure passion that, you know, you'd be doing this in and out every day. If it was something, even if you weren't making money from it, even if you weren't, you know, becoming well known from it. But how and how do you start planning the routes you're going? Because, I mean, you must have this sort of creative version of I'm going to do this show, I'm going to use this piece of equipment. But how do you source the actual tracks and the different locations? You know, is it a case of you do think places that you know locally? Or do you scan, like, different areas and ask other riders for tracks to go to? You know, like, how would you piece together, like, one of your expeditions? Yeah, luckily for me, I'm, I'm part of a really unique community because I've been building my own trails since I was a kid. And trail builders have a lot of respect for each other. And there's a lot of hidden stuff out there, especially around North America, that people are happy to share with each other if they like what you're doing. So, for example, there's this fellow in Oregon who lives near the coast there. It's not on the area or on the map at all for mountain biking. But these guys have some of the most amazing trails I've ever rode right behind their property and it's not private land but it's kind of a secret spot where they've been building all these really cool trails and they invited me to come out there because we had been following each other online and I got to experience this track that most people wouldn't and then vice versa if they came up here I would show them some of my secret tracks that I have up here so that kind of gives me like a I get to be part of like this insider community where there's more trails available to me than what's necessarily known to the general public So that's really cool to be a part of communities like that. And then also there's so many great tools there online now. Like there's this app called Trail Forks where it is just a map of what bike trails are around you based on popular trail networks. And I would say like 90% of the trails that are out there these days are on Trail Forks. So even if I'm just passing through a town where I don't know anybody and I have the time to go for a quick ride, I can go on Trail Forks and I can find a trail based on the trail rating that it is and what it looks like there might even be photos of it or recent reviews and updates on what the trails are what conditions they're in so having that resource is amazing like just not having the internet has made things amazing like it's crazy what you can find out there and 
if you get out there and you message people and put yourself out there, it's amazing what you'll find. Because that's what I was just loving that, you know, it's like the, it's what social media is really for, you know, it's that kind yeah. of, and building communities and sharing of ideas and helping each other. And that's the side of the internet that's amazing. I absolutely yeah. love. It's so cool. I mean, is there quite a strong community um, of, like, I don't know what you would call yourselves. Um, for some reason, I want to say trekkers, but I'm not sure if that's offensive or not. But is there a quite a, a community available who into sort of, like, you know, slope riding and stuff like that and content creators in, like, throughout the world, have you found? I mean... Yeah. There's, like, so... It, it's quite a small community, actually. Like, there's not a lot of people that are doing it as a career. And it's not hugely popular, but the one thing is the mountain bike community is so tight-knit and so close that everyone has each other's backs, and you feel like you're part of something really cool. Like, it's not just the guys who do tricks. Like, I could go on a ride with some random cross-country riders that only like to ride up hills, and right away they would be friendly to me. So that's what's really great about mountain biking is just that really close community and that respect everyone has for each other. And I think that really helps. So how, when people are cycling and you're doing the shots and you're setting up equipment and stuff like that, how do you make sure that you don't damage any of the sort of like the natural sep of, you know, the track? Do you have certain ways of like zero contact when you're doing these sort of things that anything you move, you have to set up in a certain way to avoid damaging yeah. like the landscape, that sort of thing? Yeah, definitely. Like, especially when traveling, you have to have a really good understanding of like the local laws and what's respectful and what's not. Like, for example, when I was in Turkey riding all that sandstone, like, obviously our tires are ripping up some of the sandstone as we're riding it, and there's all these ancient ruins everywhere. It's like a World Heritage Site, and I was, like, concerned about that. But at the same time, there's also local guys on dirt bikes ripping around the same area, and then I found out it's actually a popular area for, like, equestrians and motorcycles and hikers, and it's not really a protected area at all. And I'm like, okay, so this is, like this is okay, like, if everyone does it out here. But just because everyone does it also doesn't mean that it's okay. So I definitely try to be very environmentally conscious when I'm out there. And even when I'm trail building, because you're still doing damage to the trail, the forest by building a trail. So I try to keep as much greenery as possible in the trail. So if I'm building, like, a, a gap jump where I'm not using the center for anything, I'll, I won't touch the middle of the forest. I'll keep ferns in between the landing and the takeoff. So it not only looks good for filming, but I'm also leaving the forest in the most natural state possible. So I think that's pretty important. Now, you do these videos at, like, terrifying speeds. And, you know, you do some amazing shots with, like, some quality equipment. And, you know, your social media is filled on, on your website so with, like, stunning shots, really crisp and you almost feel like you're in the video like riding on the back of your bike going at that speed you know um but how do you relax off the tracks you know when you're not doing your recuperation when you're not like checking what's coming up and all that does life just feel slow are you always sort of pumped with adrenaline looking forward to the next ride i mean what else yeah. excites you in life yeah i try to like i just love being outside and challenging myself and like, even today, like, I haven't gone outside today because I've been so busy catching up on emails and other work I have to do since I was out of phone service, basically, for six days. So I kind of go a bit stir-crazy after a few hours of that. So in the wintertime, especially when we get lots of rain and sometimes even snow, 
there's not as much riding, and I try to do other sports, so I love snowboarding. I just have been getting more into surfing, because we can surf out here, too, in the winter, and that's really challenging and really scary for me, because I'm never that comfortable in the ocean, but I just love being out there and, and challenging myself. So I think that process of always being challenged and, yeah, the adrenaline is definitely part of it, but just that process of the adventure, the exploration, and the challenge is something I, I just love in any sort of form, whether it's like an entrepreneurial thing or a sports thing. I just, I love the challenge and the process, and it's kind of what I thrive off of. So I always kind of I find a way to keep myself busy there. <laughs> I definitely get that impression from you, you know, like that you you enjoy the excitement of it, the, you know, like the speed and the pushing and the, you like challenging yourself regardless. And, I, you know, I can imagine you were like that as a kid as well. And it's like, I know you'd be somebody great to have a pint with or to go cycling with. But, you know, for people who are listening just now and they're thinking, hmm, but how do you make money from this? Is this just a case of companies coming and getting you to, like, promote their products and, like, social media sort of affiliations and stuff like that? Yeah. It's how, is there a way to make money? Can this be a career for kids listening who really want to get to try, who really enjoy cycling and want to do something like this? Yeah, I think there's two ways it can be a career. You're either one of the best in the world at what you do, um, in terms of the sport itself. So if you're racing, you have to be one of the best in the world. If you're doing slope style, you have to be one of the best in the world. And that's a very small window of people, and it's very hard to reach. Not that it's impossible, but it's very difficult. And if you can't be the best in the world at your sport, you need to be so passionate about what you're doing that it just never stops. Like for me, last night was a Saturday night, and I was up until 1 in the morning doing work because I enjoy doing it. So I think just you have to enjoy what you're doing. And in terms of making money, like for me, it's a combination of things like you were saying. I have sponsorships, so I have one or two year contracts with regular sponsors that I've had for the last few years that pay me either a couple times a year or every month and then I have to budget that way and then other opportunities will come up like a local tourism board might want to work together or a random brand might want an Instagram post there's always these other side opportunities that pop up and at the same time I'm always constantly working to create more for myself so, for example, I went to Australia this spring and I ended up sending a proposal to the Tasmanian government trying to do some content to promote mountain biking down there because there's a new bike park down there. So I sent them a proposal. We worked out an agreement after a month or two of discussion and then that was actually a really big job I got for myself this year. And a lot of riders don't do that. They just focus on their riding only and their, their main sponsors and it's really hard to make a living doing that because just the money is spread so thin in mountain biking that it's really hard to, unless you're at the very top, it's really difficult to make a solid career and living doing it. So you have to be really creative and you have to constantly be working. Because that's what I love about you in particular is like that you're so open and friendly and you're so chatty on your social media. Like, you know, you help anybody out who comments on your post and that. But you're also showing kids and like other people listening that it is possible to make money from a passion. You know, you can <laughs> truly love something and make it something like, I mean, you're like me, you were happy to spend till like one, two in the morning sitting, replying to emails, chasing people, you know, making connections, setting up ideas and stuff like that. I mean, 
I can imagine you'd still be like this again if you didn't have if you weren't making money off it, like because you got such a true passion from it. But what like, if you had your time again? Would you change any of this, or is this the things that makes you truly happy in life? Yeah, I I don't know if I would because. I mean, I've definitely made a lot of big mistakes in my life, but I think everything kind of helped me become who I am now. So I don't think I'd necessarily change anything, but I, I would like to think that I would always be doing something I'm passionate about. And it's always kind of what I'm chasing, and I think that's just my personality and what I would always do. And I, I'm going to continue that even when I can't ride as fast or as extreme as I can now. Like, for example, I'm working on starting up an app. I'm like working on developing my own app right now and it's going to be called Rove and it's essentially going to be a travel agency for um, extreme sports, not just mountain biking. So imagine like the Expedia of outdoor sports, but you can find ambassadors and athletes that you look up to and they will recommend experiences and then you can book through them or through your location or your own interests and we also want to streamline communication on there and have a really cool community build up so that's kind of one of my little side hustles right now as I'm trying to do this app that I'm starting up and I've been putting a little bit of money aside for it when I can afford to and it's a slow ongoing process but that's just one example of using my passion and turning it more into work than necessarily passion but it, overall it will have like a, an impact on a lot of people and that's kind of what's also really important to me is kind of having some sort of impact and improving a community or an area. No, I love that. I mean, it's, it's yeah. phenomenal. Like, just the creative side of that idea is brilliant. You know, you're taking a passion and you're building it and you're making a helping the community, and you're letting your entrepreneurial skills like develop further. That's mm-hmm. an awesome idea, and I'll, I'll be more than happy to promote it when it's ready. Yeah, that'd be uh, awesome. Yeah, we're a few months down the line, but it's it's getting there slowly. We have designs in the works right now, so it should be really fun when it comes out. I love how that's something that you've built up to keep yourself active you know and exhilarated and you get the adrenaline going when you're not cycling and you're not exactly. thinking about cycling you're doing something else and that's what true passion that's what i'll say to people is you know find your passion might be this bad idea to give people but is it something that you can't stop thinking about are you constantly think you know trying it and keeping ideas and using evernote or whatever it is to tr- record your stuff and that's why i started the podcast i thought like I really enjoyed it. Why not just do it for my own sake? And that's why I exactly. like it gives me a chance to connect with awesome people like yourself, who can show me a completely different side of the world, another hobby to try, you know, or even just somebody to watch and admire. And this is why I want to get you on is to promote you and really get people to know you and you know learn about cycling and stuff like that. Because it's not even though we have like the Tour de France, we don't really have mountain biking as such in like in our side like um the uk and things like that i mean is that what would you want the evolution of psych like content and cycling and all that to be do you want it to kind of go into the olympics and i think that would be really great yeah i think the olympics would be really good for mountain biking um just for like in terms of exposure and overall understanding because i think it's a very misunderstood sport and like you're saying in the uk it's not as well known like it's actually getting quite more popular in the UK. I have a lot of people from the UK follow me, and my team manager is actually from the UK at Maroon Bikes. Oh, cool. So like, it's the scene there is growing huge, but they're probably like 15 years behind where we are in Canada in terms of like the culture and the mainstream side of it and how accepted it is globally or like within the community. So 
I do think things like the Olympics would really help the sport be understood more because there's so many disciplines to mountain biking that a lot of people just think it's one thing. They don't understand. There's so many different disciplines and themes to it that it's not all bundled into one sport. There's like pretty much 20 or more sports in one. So it's it'd be really good to have those mainstream media outlets and big events like the Olympics bring it, just bring the name out and get more people intrigued by it. Because there's some phenomenal love on your videos and your, you know, there's all the comments and there's so many likes on your Instagram and Facebook and that. And that's why I think it should be bigger and bigger, you know, and it should be one of those sports they get because it's so exhilarating and people will be getting so into it. So for somebody who is listening and wants to try it, what would you set them as like a standard challenge? Say if they were to come back to you in six months. What would you want them to have achieved? You know, what kind of markers would you have set them to get them into the basics of cycling? You know, is there certain yeah. challenges they should do? Yes, yeah, so like they've been riding for six months, and you want to see where they're at. Um, I would say just like going over those basics and making sure they're on point, especially with like the weight shifting and the pumping and the balance. I mean, that is kind of your foundation for everything else. If you can understand how to control your bike and lift your wheels and the and the air back and front, even if you can't do like a wheelie or a more technical trick like that, if you can lift both your wheels up, if you can be solid on your bike and really throw the bike around, like just with your body sitting on it and feel good, that would be like a really good base to have after six months if that's kind of second nature to you. Because a lot of people struggle with the confidence of it. It's like that's a huge part of the sport is the confidence, being able to go faster on the trail. But if you can get that foundation really strong within the first year of riding, then it will help you just reach a point where things will just, it will just be a domino effect. You'll just go from like intermediate to really advanced really fast if you can get that base down at, at the start. Because you like, Normally at this point, I would sort of like I would definitely want to have you on again. I really go into yeah. like you know specifics and that. But what I'd like to have you on is like to actually do some beginner videos because I think just the way you you talk about it, it's got me excited about cycling. Yeah. You know, I'd love to. You know, if when you get your like your kind of coaching videos and your introductory video, I mean, I would love to have them on and promote them yeah. to the audience and get people be awesome because because people are sitting just now thinking yeah, I can never do that. That just looks so advanced and technical. And like you're saying, it's there are ways to get into it and we could get people excited. And, you know, I love the idea of, like, you doing coaching videos. I just think it'll be so... It'll work out so well and it'll build a new a new sort of generation of cyc uh, cycling fans who have maybe not had the exposure to it but are enjoying it and now they can see what is possible, like, through social media and that. So I know we're coming. At, we're actually over our time limit. Are we? Okay. For, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've still got heaps of more questions, so we've got to yeah. do something else soon. But yeah, for definitely. those listening, what is a good idea for them? You know, like what was a go home message that you want them to remember from this? If they only remember, say one thing about it, what would be the message that you say to them to rem to take away from this interview? Yeah, whether it's mountain biking, cycling, or anything else, I would say. If it's something you're passionate about and you love doing it, then there's no reason you can't do it full-time. You just have to have patience and be relentless and work harder than anyone else. <laughs> like having that will get you there eventually. It worked for me, and I'm 
was not the best rider by far, but I had some unique elements to my riding, and I have a really strong passion for riding, and love to share, and it just works out well. It just will grow over time, and the same as with this podcast. I'm sure you'll continue to grow as long as you stay passionate about it, and you stay on top of it, and it's like anyone, just keep going for it. <laughs> I love that. I love how like excited and passionate about it is. Like, I can hear it in your voice. You know, it's it's really hard to sort of fake that kind of level of passion, and that's why I know you're gonna you're gonna go places. Is you're you're really just getting started. I can see the ideas are bubbling away, and people are gonna be, you know, I can see the community you're building on your social media. But for those who this is the first time they've maybe been introduced to you and your style of cycling, and they want to find out more, how can they get in touch and? you know, connect with you on social media and your website and that, like, can you throw out some sort of your, your handles so that people can uh, f- find you and follow your projects? For sure. Well, I'm the most active on Instagram, I would say. So it's just Instagram.com slash MarkyMath. So that's my Instagram handle, M-A-R-K-Y-M-A-T-H. And then I've been posting more on YouTube regularly, and I'm trying to build that up. So that is just my name, Mark Matthews and then MTB at the end. So the handle is Mark Matthews MTB. And those are the two platforms I'm most focused on right now. And then I also have links to my email address on both platforms and you can contact me directly that way if you just want to talk and send me a message and that's the best way to get a hold of me right now. Well, it's when you go to his YouTube, um, be prepared, you know, you might need a <laughs> cup of tea afterwards. It's it is amazing like and I, I cannot wish you anything but success. I can see you're going to go places, you know. You're creating a new community of cyclists and, you know, you're showing the world what cycling can be and I, I can't give you any higher praise than that. I definitely will have you on and, you know, help you and promote the app and we'll promote the videos when they're ready because it's going to get so many people involved in cycling and, you know, build that community of, like, where tre- um, treks are and how we can get involved. I might not be anywhere close to your kind of speeds, but I'd love to give it a go at some point. Um, so the floor is open to you. This is a final question. Is there anything coming up that you want to promote? Any, like, tours, expeditions? Anything that you've got brewing in the pipeline? Um, I actually have no uh, tours that I'm promoting at the moment, but I would say the one thing I would love to promote right now would be my app Rove, because I do have an Instagram account running for it, and... It's kind of keeping everyone updated on how things are going and what experiences we'll be promoting and what the audience will be there. So to find Rove, the, the handle on Instagram is just experience Rove, one word. And so experience, R-O-V-E. And that's the account for the app. And that's full of tons of different experiences. Like we have been interviewing different tour companies, whether it's mountain biking, surfing, snowboarding, even trail running, we have a little bit of everything in there that anyone who loves to be outside might be interested in. And that would be... just having a look at it just yeah. now, and it is awesome. Yeah, the images are so vivid, and... Yeah, I think this will be, a, a, like, a golden app when it comes out. Yeah, and we do have a link to a survey on there, and just of, like, what our idea of the app is right now, and I'd love if anyone wanted to take that, and the idea is we want to make an app that everyone's going to love and find useful, so... We're basically building an app based off people's suggestions. So that's kind of the thought around it, and that's how we're going to make it so community-based. Well, it's 
from looking at it, it's open to anybody that likes cycling, motorbiking, uh, surfing. Yeah, <laughs> there's there's literally something for anybody here who likes physical activities. Yeah. So anybody listening, I really want you to come and do the survey because this is going <laughs> to be a phenomenal app that's going to change so many people's lives. Also, and it's definitely yeah. something you need to do. And if anyone wants to share their story on our Instagram account, because we are getting stories from people on their passions and why they love their sport. And if they want to tell their own personal story and they have images, we would love to share that on the account as well, because it's always cool to hear how people have fallen into what they love to do. Well, that's what we'll cover then. And when we do the second one, we'll get you on. We'll discuss about the, the app and how you've taken it there. We'll go into deeper into the cycling and stuff like that. Um, I've got I've got run to go to go do another one, but I cannot thank you enough for this. This has been absolutely amazing. You've got me interested in cycling, which I didn't think was possible. <laughs> awesome, and, man. Uh, thank you. That's it for another week. Thanks for listening. Absorb it. Practice it. Use it. Until next time, keep trying to hit that next level in your life. <laughs>